Today we have a very special guest, Pat Ahern, who is a Irish third generation conventional dairy farmer with an unconventional outlook. It was by a happy accident that Pat discovered homeopathy in 2010, an event that would change his life. By 2012, he was so impressed with the dramatic reduction in his use of antibiotics in his herd that he began to research more into homeopathy. And then in November 2017, got the opportunity to do a once-in-a-lifetime residential week-long course in the UK focused on homeopathy in farming. Pat is also working with an organization called Whole Health Agriculture. That's www.wholehealthag. Org, a website with a wealth of expert information and farmer and vet-based knowledge. They also run an excellent online course. Irish farmers can click on the link in the bio for more information and international farmers as well. You can also follow Pat on social media. Just search for The Homeopath Farmer on Facebook and Instagram. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now my mum and your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangouts. Today, we get to speak with Pat Ahern in Ireland. Welcome, Pat. Hello, Eugenie. How are you? Glad to have the opportunity to chat to you. I'm great. I always love the Irish accent. My best, one of my best friends is Irish. And yeah, I always find I understand her better after a couple of beers, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we, we, we freely if, talk. If I have a few beers, I understand her better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit, Pat. How were you first introduced to homeopathy? Well, I suppose, first of all, I'm very from Cork, the south of Ireland. And as you said, with the Irish accent, Cork in particular, we speak very fast. <laughs> Even the rest of the people outside of Cork have a trouble understanding us. So hopefully your listeners will be able to understand me. But yeah, I'm a dairy farmer from south of Cork, just outside Cork City, between Cork Airport. And uh, shall I say, I kind of stumbled into homeopathy about 13 years ago now after a major outbreak of mastitis. And I was utterly fascinated that just a bottle of water could actually do this. Utterly. So... <laughs> yeah, and I just, you know, and I just keep it. This is my big secret. Don't tell anyone because you're definitely losing your marbles. And I, Google was still in its infancy. So I started Googling and anything I was finding was on humans. Now, I didn't realize that homeopathy is for everything, every living thing, from goldfish to humans to cows to elephants. But I kind of got interested in reading up on the human side and eventually, by chance, stumbled across, I'd say nearly after five years, stumbled across this website of all places down in New Zealand. And it was Homeopathy Farm Services, I think it is. And they had a book, first time a book on animals. And I, to, go, to be able to buy a book from New Zealand with, when there's plenty of books here in Ireland about farming, but not about homeopathy. <laughs> and wow, that was an eye opener. And then everything, as you know, Google got smarter and realized what you were looking for. And eventually I ended up stumbling across a website called Homeopathy at Welly Level, got in contact with the secretary and long story short, ended up doing their one-off residential course in November 17. And literally I parked up the old world and I started on a whole new journey. I'm on a different trajectory and it has been amazing. What I've learned, not just in farming, but the contacts, the friends I've made internationally, nationally, farmers that I'd never, Irish farmers that I'd never would have spoken to, we wouldn't have crossed paths. And 
they've gone on to do the course that I've done. And yeah, none of them have regretted doing it. It's an eye opener. But also, I know realizing what, what I see with animals, I now understand that this is most certainly can be done with humans. Mm. I've used it myself for various things. And it's a game changer. That's so cool. I want to tell you a funny story. So the author of that book that you would have had, Tinika Vercada from New Zealand, she was one of the lecturers at my co- at my college. And that was actually, each of us received a copy of her book when we graduated. So I actually have that book that you would have <laughs> received. I've never used it. It's just sitting here. We've got a couple of sheep, no cows. But yeah, it's I've had it all this time. It was our, one of our gifts, our graduation gifts. Yeah, small world is the home. We've had a community. We all seem to have something connecting us. Like so, yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, the lovely people at homeopathy at Welly Level—they've been on the podcast as well. And I didn't get it when they said about Welly Level. I'm like, I don't. I said to her, "Is well as Welly a place?" And she's like, "No, no, like gumboots." I'm like, "Oh, okay, homeopathy yeah. at gumboot level. Okay, I get it. We call it gumboots." Yes, yes, yes. And what were some of your first things that you used homeopathy for on your herd? Well, a real game changer was, again, my infancy and really lack of knowledge was I had a cow got E. coli. Now, you know how vicious E. coli can be. Mm-hmm. Perfectly healthy animal. She was literally flat to the mat, skin and bone in the case of 48 hours. Two vets had seen her, pumped her with drugs. And both of them gave me their professional opinion. And I can say between the two of them, there was easily 40 years of experience between them. So these guys knew what they were talking about. Mm. And uh, they said, no, I'm sorry, the cow's not going to make it. And I was gutted. She was an old lady and I was like, no, no, there's there's more in her. There's more in her. I just can't let her die from this disease. So I contacted the guy that was supplying me the homeopathy in large volume. Like he would make it up. And then you just order, put it into the water. And I said, look, this cow is such and such. And he says, that's no problem. He says, look, if you can get a tube back her throat and just give, give her, he has a, a particular mineral dose and trace elements. And he says, just give her that because that's the only source of food she has. Give her that until I get my bottle of magic, at the which at the time I didn't know what it was. I'm assuming it was the E. coli noside and a couple mm. of other remedies included it to you in the post that was on thursday morning friday lunchtime I received the bottle i started spraying it by saturday i sprayed it onto her nose and into her vulva anything anything just to hit mucus get signal mm. in there and this cow as i said was flat on the ground and saturday breakfast time there she was sitting up and i was like kind of going oh we're beginning to turn here. And I went away to my breakfast. I said, hey, I look after you after your breakfast. Came back 20 minutes later. My father was coming against me. And he goes, listen, call the guy there to collect that cow. That cow is dead. And I was like, no, she was only sitting up 20 minutes ago. I said, and I opens the door and there was the cow standing Aww. for the first time in five days. And, and I says, I says, um, the cow inside here. Listen, if you don't know what a dead cow is, I'm going to have to give up with you. And I said, will you come up here and try and explain to me is that cow dead? And he walked, he walking up to the drum. She, that cow is actually alive. She, no, she'll make it. And and I was I was like, yes, because my father thought I had lost my marbles with homeopathy. That was kind of one of his beginning to kind of realize there's something here. And hey, presto, I worked on her and she went through another course of antibiotics again. And she made a full recovery. You could, this cow went from literally being, we'll call it a 700 kilo animal to literally a 300 kilo animal in two days. She just, the wow. weight just fell off her. And 90 days later, she was back to full weight. Happy oh. out chewing the cud around with her friends again. 
Oh, you're gonna make that me cry. Is... That's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? We actually we ended up becoming best friends. I was calling her by name, and everything was like, you know, you saved my life. I I like you. I, you know, and with homeopathy, there's a connection between man and beast. It's the cows just. And it was another incident I had then, which a few years later actually was I had a cow had mastitis in the milking parlor. Gave her the remedy, and you could when I gave it to her, you could see oh, she was like. It's just relax. It was, I was like, wow, something happened there. And then I had the remedy in my pocket and I went down the yard to, down into the, into her housing. And I was walking around just to see what she all right. Next one, there was your one walking up behind me and she tapping my pocket. And she knew the remedy was inside the packet, but in the pocket. And I actually got onto my course through her. I said, by any chance, does the cow know that the remedy is in my pocket? And it goes, yeah, that's the power of homeopathy. They can pick up the signal. And they and that's the exact remedy to that was solving her issue. And it did. Cow got solved without antibiotics. Mastitis cleared up. Well, so, that is cool. Powerful. And actually, you know, I'm with you on that one because we had a bunny that it was a free range bunny, just free ranging in our backyard. And he was a little bit wild. But then one day he had this eye infection and I gave him homeopathic remedies and it helped. And after that, he was so nice to me. I like I swear he was like, oh, OK, you were right. You helped me. It was actually really amazing. So, yeah, animals really do know. Yeah, they yeah. do, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned a little that... bit about administration as well. You said about spraying in the mouth and in the vulva, but like, what are some ways that you would administer the remedies to, to cattle? Well, in large numbers, water through the drinking mm-hmm. water would be a big one. And I suppose, as a, I, I don't know, I put in X amount of, like I'd have my pellets and I'd put them into a milk bottle, could be a two mm-hmm. litre, three litre milk bottle from the house. And... Um, fill that up with water and as I'm walking to the truck I give it a good shake and then when I put it into the drinking water I just beat the water with a stick or something Mm. like that just to what they call medicate the water there must be something working because (laughs) my fertility my herd fertility is superior my animals are healthy they're calm they're relaxed anyone that walks into the yard are utterly fascinated how relaxed they are and Life is good. I had my first calf yesterday at 11 days early. But I suppose, look, those things happen. But literally before, everything was a mess. It was just nothing was, everything was calving when slipped into the breeding season. So you had that cows finished calving and you were in the breeding season, the breeding season going out to 15 weeks. And there was no such thing as a dry period where you dry off your cows and they go on their holidays and you get to put your legs up for, for the number of weeks and relax and recuperate for the next season. Whereas now everything has a place. Calving is pretty much going to start around the 28th of January. It will finish the 10th of April. I can write out my diary. I know what's going to happen. Is it the, is the homeopathy helping you with that? Like making sure? Oh, yeah. Oh, what? yeah. Really? Like, How? Well, I, what I kind of like to say is I start my year at the dry period. So when the cows are being dried up, they get urticaria 6 c which oh. helps them to dry up. So there's no antibiotics. And that's a big thing that's happening now in, in Ireland. And in particular, I'd say the European Union is like, why are we giving drugs to healthy animals? As in, you help them to dry up with, with antibiotics and just in case they get an infection. Mm. But if you give urticaria it whatever, it sends a signal to switch off, to stop milking. And they just literally soak up themselves and it takes the pressure out of the event. And like the event is like, see, they don't all go get dried off together. They're dried off over a couple of weeks. Mm. So you have the cows as a herd. They're with their friends. And you then, I would then dry off with, say, 
10 cows. The 10 cows then go to another field, or in my situation, would go to the other shed, and they're pinned into that side of the shed, away from their friends. So, like, they're looking over the barrier, kind of going, but why are they still going into the milking parlor? What, what about me? Is there something wrong with me? And, <laughs> and then the stress, stress, stress. And then you see, they hear the parlor going, the milk machine going. I said, but they're being milked. Why can't I be milked? And then, you know, yourself, you start enlarging and then they're getting stressed. And then there's a bit of, but it may be a bit of pain or something mm. to that effect. And then hence, you know, what stress allows infection to get in and have a field day on the poor animal. Whereas you go simply just go in with urticary urine, put it in the water over a number of days. And it just, it takes away that stress. It takes away that anxiety. Oh. They just dry up. And life is good. And the best thing of all, no antibiotics. Amazing. And that must really bring your bills down a lot as well. I can imagine it must probably cost quite a lot if you have got quite a lot of cows and they're sad. Oh, oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. I'm looking at 80%, 80% reduction in veterinary costs. I'd say if I might see the visit, I see the vet, maybe on a, it does officially, they come in to do a TB test once a year and then if you have to do an emergency call i'd say at most if i see them twice that'd be a lot in the year i go into the shop to buy drugs buy antibiotics buy dosing parasitic dosing i'm a stranger in the shop we're not exactly on a first name basis anymore (laughs) (laughs) so even your worming you're able to control with your homeopathics as well yeah yeah big time as one vet said to me the most profitable farmers out there are actually the understocked farmers like there's lads there that are overstocked, stress, stress, stress. Like they, the cows like their space and mm. we've got the shy cows and you've got the ones that lack confidence and all that and younger cows. And one fella said you should have a 10% rule. Let it be, in particular with housing, there should be 10% space available. So if you have 100 cubicles, only 90 cows should be in there. Mm. So that the shy cow, cow has somewhere to go. She can pick a bed away from the cow that's pulling her. Mm. or being at her or whatever and like and another thing is you see how there's a pecking order and how there's family groups and how they what? stick together with cows i, oh, I didn't yeah. know that yeah. i know i see that with my chickens i didn't know the cows have that too oh yeah and like i mean even like okay and people would be saying oh you're taking the baby from its mammy um to be honest uh, the, the, the cow is more interested like she's she's like hunger as well we know what humans i mean talk to talk to anybody that has suffered from hunger Everything else goes out the window. It's the baby. No, no, I want my food. And like they're after calving, they want to eat. And then they realize that there's more and they're eating and then being milked. Then the energy levels go down. They need to eat. They know you're there. They know you're minding their animal. Mm. And in particular, if they actually have a heifer calf, they'll actually work harder that year. Because whatever it is with nature is like, I must provide for the female for the next generation. Whatever it is about the bull calf, there's no kind of get up and go with the mother. She's like, there it is, all right, he'll survive, he'll be fine. Kind of. (laughs) And that's scientifically proven. They've proven that. And so then two years later, that your replacement calves come back in and you just see how they all shift into their family groups. And kind of the heifers will stay together. But if you look carefully, you'll see that the mother isn't too far away. She's there in the background. And this is two years later from meeting each other again. Like it's amazing, especially amazing. with so you've been able cows. You've, you've been able to use the homeopathy to regulate when they're getting pregnant and when they are being dried off and all like has it helped with fertility as well? 
Oh, hugely, hugely. I mean, uh, I think like the national average would be around 12% empty rate after, uh, we'll say, a 12 to 15 week breeding season. No, not, So that would be in Ireland with a spring calving block. That would be, let's say, from the 1st of February, there'd be lads there calving cows on the 1st of May, which is mm. just uneconomical. Uh, and they're trying to keep the cows and, and everything else. And it's, to be honest, you, nine to nine to ten weeks is more than enough because after that you're getting tired and you're mm. also getting busy because the grass is beginning to grow and everything else. With me, I was there, but now that's more important. <laughs> <laughs> that's very important. Um, no, can you I, tell Can you tell us a little bit more about how you use homeopathy on the farm? Do you use it much for yourself or for your family? Yeah, well, yeah. Um, well, I suppose again, using remedies on um, on the animals and seeing them working. I mean, there was a be ignisha for separation, which is a big help. And mm. I've used it actually. Was it? Uh, oh, I actually had a goldfish, but with my mother had Aww. two goldfish, and she got them from a friend of mine. He was moving house, and he just said, "Look, do you want to take them?" I said, "We did, no problem." And they were happy. Oh, they're two lovely goldfish, and there must have been a falling out between the two of them. Now I don't know were they brother and sister or or siblings or were they husband and wife or partners <laughs> or what i haven't a clue but what i do know is that one of them had a white spot so there was it must have been a major falling out because at first it thought we thought they were actually playing with each other chasing each other around the tank so like anyway you'd be sitting there and the, the tank is next to next kind of next to the head of the table so you'd be just sitting there at the chair and in the silence of the kitchen he's just sipping away in your cup of tea and the next second you say what's that and you look around and you see the fish they fell out the white spot usually slapping your man up against the side of the tank and so after the while we're kind of going your man's actually bullying you this other fish around the place no way <laughs> Would he let her, we'll assume it was for him and her. Yeah. No way would he let her come up to eat at the surface of the tank when we put in the flakes. Oh. Have to stay down the bottom, hiding in the corner, and hopefully something will flow down to the bottom and she'll be able to pick up. So anyway, this went on for a number of years. And one morning I came in to feed him and I opened the tank. And there was this fish floating in the tank. And who was it mm. but your man with the white spot? So I look into the tank and I'm, well, now I says, either you murdered him during the night or else he died of a heart attack. <laughs> one or the other, but there's one thing for certain, you have the tank to yourself now. Happy yeah. days. So I took out the fish. That was it. End of story. And my mother rang me a couple of days later and she says, I, I, come here, is there anything you could do for the fish? I said, what's wrong with you? And she said, honestly, he hasn't eaten for the last two days. He's down in the darkest corner of the tank and won't come out. Oh. And I, I was like, oh, that's impossible. I was led to believe that goldfish have a two-memory seconds, yeah, a two-second yeah. memory span. I said, two days later, the goldfish is grieving. It's not just not grieving the loss of its friend or buddy. It's grieving the loss of its psychotic bully. <laughs> I said, that's impossible. But anyway, I picked up, and it was actually one of the very first remedies that I had during the course that I did in November 17. So I just said, Ignisha, separation grieving remedy so i went in down to the house and there was a fish down turned inwards into the darkest corner floating mid tank they were all the symptoms we were told about that they did to watch for they're literally whatever symptoms and so i said look all i can do is uh, put in a couple of drops got a fork beat the water with the fork i said i can do no more i said and anyway, it's only a goldfish <laughs> so anyway, my mother rang me 20 minutes later and she said you won't believe this she said i was like what 
just the fish is swimming around up and eating its food. Fish lived, for, fish lived for another three years on its own. <laughs> <laughs> so if that's that, impressive. If that doesn't ever, yeah, I don't think doesn't... we've ever had a goldfish live longer than a year or two. So that's pretty <laughs> impressive. You've had some accidents on the farm as well, from what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I suppose there are two incidents, actually. I suppose farming is it's manual work and it's wear and tear and everything else. And look, even office workers will have sitting down, your spine eventually is compressing and you have we have back issues and we get into our 50s, I suppose. So one day I was minding myself and everything else. But anyway, one day, literally, I got a spasm down the back of my leg, down my sciatica, literally leg froze. My back seized and I was I was like, like the pain was horrendous and literally bottom of my leg literally turned into a concrete block. But it wasn't swollen, but it was like this massive lump of something. So anyway, I eventually I went to a physio. Physio said to me, right, OK, we've got um, very strong anti-inflammatories and painkillers. And I says, oh, I do homeopathy. And she goes, oh, she says, I completely agree with that. My actually, my husband is a farmer himself. He actually has been using homeopathy and we've seen it. She says, so I'm completely for that. And she says, what would you be using? So of course, boom, boom, boom. I was like, hypernica, arnica, bellus perellus. She says, gee, you know your stuff. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, I, I promote education courses in homeopathy to farmers. So I know myself and I use it on the animals and I've seen it working. And she says, oh, go ahead. She says, work on that. She says, and so on. So I was taking away the remedy. Oh, and she literally was telling me, this is November. And she said, look, you're in a pretty bad situation. You will need to get a CAT scan done to see what is actually going on. And from my experience, she said, like, you could be looking at an operation here and being out of work for six weeks. Wow. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm a farmer. I don't go out of work for six weeks. Maybe go on holidays for the week, but no, no, not six weeks. And she's like, no, I'm sorry. This is the situation. And I was like, no, no, I'm going calving cows in February. It's end of. So I was like, straight away, I was like, yeah, definitely take the remedies, definitely take the remedies. So I went out anyway, and there's, it was the vet that I was dealing with with the cows. is of course, a homeopath as well, and he's retired now, Tom Farrington. And I rang him, I goes, listen, I'm going calving cows in February, so this has got to be resolved. He's okay, Pat, do you know what to do? I goes, I do, just making sure. And he goes, such and such. And now he actually then, so he said, yeah, it was a Hypernicum 200, Arnica and Bellis Perellis. Uh, all 200s, mm. take them regularly in your water, whatever. And I said, look, it's sciatica down the back. And he actually, I think it was Nuxvamica 10M, which actually oh. has an affinity to sciatica. I actually, he just only gave me three or four pills of that. And he says to take one of them once a day for the four days. And literally, I started getting moving back in my back and my sciatica, the, literally the leg just kind of unten- it became less tense. I was like, God, I couldn't. I said, no, between everything, every remedy was doing its job. So anyway, I was going swimming. I was exercising as much as possible in the pool. Went back to the physio. Physio's like, she's good. She says, there's an improvement here. She said, but still, you're trapped. There's a nerve trapped. And we go away and get your scan done. And again, she was literally, she was painting the worst picture scenario which would put anybody <laughs> to taking remedies you now you could be in a wheelchair and you could be actually having a bag as well i was like da 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 so anyway she um went in got my scan done and at this stage i would say i came off the, uh, the anti-inflammatories and the painkillers and oh and when she said to me in the second visit no she said honestly you need to go back on them you have to do the full course you have to throw everything at this if you're 
want to cook having cows in February, this is what you need to do. It's like, okay, so I'm back on the drugs again. And I took them with the remedies, of course. And that was November. And I met the consultant who was 72 years of age. He was pretty much on the verge of retirement. So this guy had a lot of experience, was very well known. And I met him the week before Christmas, whatever, third week of December. And literally I walked into the office, not a bother to me. And I sat down, he's looking at me and he kind of going, there's something wrong with you. So they went in and he did a couple of checkovers. And next thing, ah, he says, I see it. And you could see the nerve twitching in the back of my calf muscle. Because ah, he says, yeah, you've a trapped nerve. He said, right. So he says, and sat me down anyway. And he's looking at his screen and then he's looking at me and he's looking at the screen. Then he's looking at me. And then he looks at the, that the, looking down from the top of the spine down. And he was like, wow. And then he looks at me and then he goes, right. I just to tell you, you are one very lucky man. I was like, all right, right. Uh, okay. <laughs> if I had seen you six weeks ago, you would have been on my slab the following morning. No questions asked. Operation. Wow. I have only seen this six times in my life where literally the body and one of the principles of homeopathy has gone in the direction of cure. Your body has cured itself. And he said, literally, and he showed me then the scan. Because you see that little air bubble in there inside in your vertebrae. Literally, the body has forced the bubble out and has come around and is going to get out of the, out of the spine and your nerve is now free. You will not have any more issues. That was five years ago. And wow. he was flabbergasted. So then I, <laughs> I turned to my wife and I said, What's that stuff you put me on? What's the, what do you call that stuff? Those sugar pills you were giving me. What was it? What was it? Homo, homo, homopathics? And he's like, whoa, whoa, witchcraft, witchcraft. Keep away from that stuff. I said, that's what I said to her too. Gosh, yeah. And I was there looking at him. I was looking at him kind of going, and you had had me on your slab, opening my back, laying me out for six weeks. Good luck. And I was gotten out the door and I took it easy for the next number of weeks. I wanted to make sure. And I haven't looked back since. But uh, the Irish yeah. sure can tell a good story, Pat. You have not disappointed. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, love so, it. That's yeah, awesome. But, um, but actually, look, I, I suppose I, I'll give you one more story. And it's a, yeah. it's a bad story. Before I suppose we we talk about uh, the courses that we uh, that I promote for for any mm -hmm. farmer that's willing to listen to me, my best man we met in college and we were literally we got on like a house on fire from day one. Mm -hmm. We met when we were twenty. We did everything together. It was literally like he was the brother I never had, mm -hmm. and yeah, we got up to a lot of mischief <laughs> as two guys would. And so anyway, unfortunately, he was diagnosed with cancer in 18 January I met him at, between we being married and young children we at this stage we were only meeting maybe twice a year on the mm -hmm. phone I would say twice a week we're literally like two women gnashing away for an, mm -hmm. some phone calls could last two hours like mm -hmm. <laughs> so anyway and I remember meeting him in January of 18 and it was just something amiss it was just he just didn't look right not I won't say look right he, he was sitting differently there was something it was you know I suppose an energy it was just something lacking. So anyway, I met him then in the following June and we had a couple of points and the poor and we had and in, in, in Ireland that spring. We had a horrendous spring. We had snow in the end of February, uh, March. And then in Cork, it was literally just mist just settled over us. 
until the 1st of May. So the cows did not go out. They were in. We had our first hurricane in October 17th. So the cows came in in October and they were still in the shed on the 1st of May. And so it was a very long, difficult spring. And a lot of farmers, we usually do lose weight through the spring, but we lose, we lost extra weight that spring. So anyway, I met him that night and he walked in and he was gone. Look, and I was like, whoa, this, I says, the spring wasn't nice to you. I said, you definitely lost weight. And he goes, oh, he says, I'm hungry. I'm full, but I'm hungry and I'm hungry, but I'm full. I don't know what I'm doing, he says, and so on. And anyway, we had a couple of points. We went away. And then about uh, four or five, I'd say about well, actually four or five days later, he said, I'll go in there for tests, like, and so on, so on, so on. So anyway, he rang me back then a fortnight later, and he goes, yeah, results have come back, he said, and uh, I've actually stomach, uh, I've, I've cancer in the stomach and secondaries in the liver. I mean, I was totally naive to this. I was like, oh, yeah, but sure, like, you'll get over it, won't you, Alex? Sure, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he didn't get over it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he died in December 18. And I remember, of course, older people will always tell you, uh, he says, whatever you do, make sure you chat to the guy, go see the guy, mm-hmm. everything else. Because when he's gone, he's gone. And mm-hmm. you will have regrets. And of course, I didn't understand that. And of course, I didn't even realize either how close we were. And uh, anyway, he passed away, and uh, the lads are asking me, uh, how are you getting on, Pat? And I said, oh, Grant, sure, sure. She, she, he was only a friend. It's not as if he's a family member, a blood relative, you know? Sure, look, that's grand. And then it was around this time, in 19, spring 19, I was just working away, and all of a sudden, it was like literally darkness descended. Total darkness. And it was I literally just dropped the shovel, jumped into the car, drove down to my house, and the wife and the kids are in the kitchen. I says, get the kids out. Get out. Get out. I says, just get I just, I says, what's wrong with you? I says, I says, get out. I need to talk to your mother. And my mother or my wife is a nurse. I expected that she would have known something like, I said, and I said, I can't see. I can't see. I said, I, said, I can't. And then she probably didn't realize what was happening was, mm. you know, that whatever I was beginning to do was mm. well, uh, depression Grief, or whatever. Yeah. Grieving is depression. Grieving. Mm. So it literally, that spring, it was horrendous. Mm. Getting out of bed, it was putting one foot in front of the other. And at one stage, I said, if this is what I'm going through, what's his brothers and sisters? What's his wife, his children going through? What's mm. his mother going through? I said, why am I suffering? And you had no control over it. Mm. And it was awful. I mean, at one stage, I remember a cow calving. And I just stood there looking at her. and was saying, oh, yeah, that's grand. I just walked away. Now, granted... Coward calf were fine, but usually you would. I just couldn't get involved. I was emotionally switched off, and eventually I was. But thankfully, one of my symptoms was, and a symptom of depression is you be is rambling and ranting and talking, and I was ringing everybody. I was ringing people from twenty years ago, and one guy copped it, and he actually rang another guy that I was in college with because I think you better ring Pat just to have a chat with him. And this guy out of the blue rang me and I was like, hey, how are you, Colin? How are you getting on? And we had a great chat for about an hour and a half. And it was actually a very uplifting. It kind of gave, put, shot a bit of light, as we say, in that darkness. I was all three years wondering why did he ring out of the blue? As I said, a little light. But anyway, I went to my vet, as I said, Tom, who... <laughs> and I, I just rang him and said, look, I'm in a desperate place. I said, I just finished... Oh, I, I finished the calving and I went to... Even I went to group counselling mm. and that helped, but I was still awful. And last cow calved, 
And it was like, literally, right, I finished that and I just went down home and I've never done this. I went straight up today, stairs to bed and put my head under the quilt and stayed there for the day. Mm. I couldn't care less if the world fell down. That was it. I just didn't want to see anything or anybody. Mm. And I knew then, like, yeah, I seriously need to get myself out of this. The breeding season's coming up in two weeks' time. I need to be focused. Mm. I need to be working here. So then I contacted Tom and he goes, right, okay, come down to me for an appointment. And the beauty of going to see a homeopath compared to going to a GP is a homeopath will sit there and they will sit you. I would say a good homeopath will definitely give you an hour and a half and an even better one will probably give you two hours if needs be. And I sat there with Tom for two hours and I'd say a half, I'd say a good half hour. I was just sitting in silence, staring into space. And he would do a typing on his computer and he was like, so Eric Pat will come around eventually. And then I started rambling again and everything. I just left off. Amount, mm-hmm. I went back to my junior infants and a distance and that. And then eventually he put me on. He says, right, he says, I'm going to give you Orum, which is made oh, from gold. Yeah. I'm going to give it you one M. And I'm only going to give you four of these now, he said, and come back to me if you have any symptoms whatsoever, if you have any downers. Mm. I was like, okay, okay. And I was like, and he said, it's not made from gold. And I was like, okay. And he said, look, I'd say 50% of your therapy or your procedure was actually sitting here today talking. You've mm. got enough lot of stuff off your shoulders today, he said. So anyway, he gave me that and he gave me a couple of uh, strong doses of, uh, I think, Ignisha as well mm. and took the orum. And I can honestly say within about five days, it was like as if the darkness just dissipated. It was like as if the sun was coming up over the horizon in the back of my head. I could see light. I was beginning to walk lighter. And I was like, no, it couldn't be. It couldn't be. And so on, so on. But then one day around lunchtime, about two weeks into it from seeing him, all of a sudden took a horrendous dip. I just didn't want to be near an animal. I didn't want to be near anything. No cow. I didn't want to. Eventually, by four o'clock that afternoon, going milking, I couldn't even bring the cows in from the field to go milking. I just about got them in. And then I said, I just can't go milking. I cannot stand near them. I don't want to be. But I wanted to be near humans. Mm. I wanted to be. didn't even want to talk to them. I just wanted to be in the company of humans, which is pulsatilla, being in your own company. So I rang Tom and he go and I explained it to him and he goes, right, he says, take Pulsatilla. Have you got Pulsatilla? 30C will do you, he said. But if you have 200, luckily, being a farmer, I do have those remedies available to me. Mm-hmm. And I says, yeah, 200, just take one, he said. And I took, took one on the tongue and I'd say within 10 minutes, I was down in the milking parlor, singing away, happy days, oh. couldn't care less. When those little things happen, you just... And to use homeopathy for it be on animals or you use it for yourself working so that you're at one with yourself, at peace with yourself and at peace with nature. That episode is brilliant. Again, there was a couple of dips along the way. And then Tom said to me, that's what's going to happen. But eventually the dips will get less severe mm. and everything. And I went to him for another session and he said, we might have a third session. We'll see how we get on. And I'm a big believer in the seasons, the four seasons, that you have to go through the four seasons to come to full circle. Mm. Whatever it is about the universe or about the world, that I went on holidays the previous year and the news had broke that he was not going to make it very good. And then I went on holidays the same time 
in 19 came back and I was like refreshed a new beginning mm. and I said right I must go and start out getting my course up and going for the autumn mm. my homeopathy course and I met Tom then in December and even he was completely gobsmacked at oh. how a transformation he says you're back to yourself happy days and he's referred to it several times to me since he said of all the things he said I've seen he said you your bounce back was yeah he said and I said oh yeah and I said to him I said how deep I said, how far had it gone? How far down the rabbit hole has it gone? And he said, to be honest with you, he said, uh, he says, I'm 40 years at this. And I said, uh, to be honest with you, you were one step removed from the loss of a child. Mm. I was like, but I said, he, he was only your friend. He wasn't a blood relative. And he goes, that doesn't matter. He says, we don't know what you, what the two of you were in a previous life. Mm. He could have been husband and wife for all we know. He could have yeah. been two brothers. Yeah. But the two of you met in this life. Mm. And unfortunately, Dennis left and Mm. this is it and yeah I'm I'm so grateful that you are so brave to share the story because actually yesterday I was interviewing Marcus Fernandez and he was talking about his interest in like what the area was wanting to go into more now is mental health specifically for men and that's an area that I feel is massively under serviced so yeah. to hear you speak that and, and be so vulnerable and sharing that I think is very powerful because in doing that you're actually allowing other men to follow suit and actually it's okay to share and it's okay to ask help for help so i'm really grateful that you shared that story because that's very powerful i hope any other especially man listening to this episode will think of giving homeopathy a go and reaching out and getting that help far out because for somebody like you come across as a very happy person generally so for you to go down that hole must have been a really big traumatic very deep grief and how encouraging that homeopathy was able to help you move through that. And obviously very supportive family as well, but how amazing. Yeah. As I said, every time you have an interaction with homeopathy, you're you're blown away by it. Yeah. But as amazing. I said, that was amazing. That was an amazing mm -hmm. episode. Yeah. And as and I said, it was my transition from my old world pre-homeopathy during mm -hmm. the course of November 18. My friend was dying by November 19. I was on the other side of my transition mm -hmm to where I'm on Facebook as the homeopath farmer. I promote homeopathy um, for farming. But I also, when I get chatting to, it seems to be, it's usually the farmer's wives that ring me, not the farmers. Yeah. <laughs> so and, tell uh, us a little bit about how people can study homeopathy because you've got some some online courses and things. So how do people get hold of that? Yeah, there's whole health agriculture or wholehealthag.org. It's a reference website with all plenty of scientific papers, literatures, farmers, stories, case studies. It's a, a go-to farmers website. I think it's roughly around 40 British pounds, uh, mm -hmm. maybe 50 euros to sign up for this. There is, I think you you interviewed him, was Jeffrey? Uh, Jeff uh, Johnson? Yes, Jeff Johnson. Yeah, yeah. He actually gave he actually made a fantastic farm repertory. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. So he's actually freely gave that to oh. them to access. And that's all in there. There's Tracy Simpson from New Zealand, who is now the new owner of Homeopathy Farm Services. She's in there giving her stories. Oh. If homeopathy can work for 90 cows, it definitely works for 900 cows because that's yeah. what she has. <gasps> And she's kind of on board as one of our ambassadors. I'm kind of the Irish ambassador yeah. for it. <laughs> and then they have an online course. The, the course, I think, is uh, 495 British pounds, about 600 mm. odd euros. 
But thankfully, the Irish government likes to see farmers getting educated and learning stuff. So if you book through what's called NOTS.ie, which is National Organic Training Skill Nets, they offer a 30% discount, which is is a nice nice handshake. Yeah. to, to for Irish farmers living in the Republic, shall we say, um, that they can avail of that. And it's online. And one lad just recently, eventually, he had bought it last year, but eventually got around to sitting in front of the computer. And he was really me asking me about this and about that and so on. So, and I was like, grand. And I said, how are you getting on? And he goes, oh, yeah, I'm halfway through it. But to be honest, you, Pat, you never mentioned to me that I needed about five ink cartridges and two bills of paper. So <laughs> I was like, all right, okay, thanks for that. I said, but now what I say to most farmers that I'm chatting to is that, look, give this remedy a go. I said, and if you see an improvement, I said, and how much, do I, how much will I pay you for Pat, Pat, for that advice now? Thanks very much. I said, I know, listen, your advice is free on one condition that you put, get the remedy from whatever vet. There's about 11 vets in the country that are homeopathically trained. I says, contact that vet in your whatever, the nearest vet to you. Contact that vet. They look after you. I said, Mm. if you see it a benefit, just do me one favor. Do the course. Mm. And that's what I wanted to see is doing the course. And yeah, a a few of them I have signed up and taken the effort. But it's a very, very good course Mm. because it's designed around the farming calendar. Uh, so it's kind of designed through the 12 months of the farming calendar. The remedies that you need, as I said at the start of our chat, from drying off of the article you're in to pre-calving, to post-calving, to pre-fertility, mm-hmm. to post-fertility, the weather remedies and your separation, your mm-hmm. transport remedies, all those events that go on, remedies that you give and that just make life on a farm so much wow. easier for both man and beast. That's amazing. And then also, if people want to get hold of you, they can find you on Facebook as the homeopath farmer. That's correct. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, Facebook. And uh, I'm more active on Facebook than on Instagram. I just cannot figure out Instagram. <laughs> I, know. Uh, I think it's a generational uh, thing. It took me a while as well. Like, I, yeah, I've actually got somebody else that does most of that for me because, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Figured that, I find that. But um, I think my new journey for 23 going forward is I've uh, touched base with uh, Camilla Sher. It was actually Aww. true. Your, your podcast. Oh, cool. I said, who's, I'm glad. I said, who's, who's this woman? I says, and then I didn't realize she was actually just starting her five discussions. So I signed up for that. And wow, I said, you can actually do that. This is amazing. <laughs> so yeah, I, I've just signed up to her now recently this week and Patreon. Um, oh, cool. That makes me so, so happy I'm, to hear that. Yeah, yeah, that was all because of you. Oh, yay. <laughs> I'm glad it's helping. <laughs> so yeah, I've been listening to her and it's, it's wow. And I think that there is definitely big opportunity going forward mm. for using homeopathy on the soil wonderful and, um, yeah that's a whole other yeah. ball game hey oh well, yeah th- oh yeah <laughs> well thank you so much pat it was wonderful to chat with you thank you for your stories you're a great storyteller and uh, yeah i look forward to chatting with you soon that's great okay eugenie thank you very much um, we'll best. chat soon bye bye bye